0: first reading is psalm 82 god has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked give justice to the weak and the orphan maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are God's children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like mortals, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. The word of the Lord.
1: Today's Gospel reading is from the book of John, chapter 10, starting at verse 22 to 42. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel according to St. John in the 10th chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not, do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a human, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and scripture cannot be broken, can you say that the one whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise be to thee, O Christ.
2: As we remain standing, I'll invite us to bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word through which you speak to us and reveal yourself to us. So I pray in light of that truth that I as preacher would just get out of the way, far less of me, far more of you, that your people gathered would be edified, your son Jesus glorified, for we ask this in his name. Amen. Would you be seated, please? Where do you... Locate yourself. Where do you get your sense of self, identity, value, purpose? Where do you locate yourself? In our Western individualistic, achievement-driven culture, we so often locate ourselves based on what we do, job, title, position, achievements, or lack thereof. In more traditional cultures, we locate ourselves based on our roles, a role within the family, within the community, and how we and others assess how we're doing in that role. But we also locate ourselves based on where we're from, even making trips to the country of our ancestry, even if we've never lived there, because something about that place locates us. We also locate ourselves based on the words that have been spoken over us, words that build up as well as tear down. We locate ourselves based on the key events in our lives, the highs and the lows, the triumphs and the tragedies without which we would not be the people that we are today. Where do you locate yourself? Where do you get your sense of self, identity, value, purpose, worth? Because all those things that we naturally locate ourselves in, change, shift, our sense of self and worth and value is often tossed to and fro on the waves of circumstance, perspective, opinion. Where do you locate yourself? As we come to our text today, the home stretch of our series in the book of John, location takes center stage, time, place, season. Location is vital to our understanding of this episode in Jesus' life, inviting us both individually and collectively as a church to locate ourselves in a place that is a solid foundation, and sets the trajectory of our lives in a transformative way. The beginning of our text, John takes the time to say this. At The time of the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple along the colonnade of Solomon. Location is the first thing that John wants us to see. Now, the Feast of Dedication was the most recent of the feasts, marking a relatively recent moment in Jewish history. Some 200 years before this moment, Israel was under the occupation of Antiochus Epiphanes, the king of Syria. And Antiochus was a lover of all things Greek, Greek language, philosophy, culture, thought, spirituality. And he wanted his entire empire to love and appreciate what he loved. And at first, he employed very peaceful means through education and exposure, believing that the superiority of all things Greek would be self-evident. The Jewish people, in particular, were left unconvinced, fiercely holding on to their God-given traditions. Undeterred, Antiochus employed a different approach. Power. Violence. He attacked Jerusalem. Eighty thousand were killed. As many more were enslaved. He made the core practices of the Jewish faith capital offenses. The temple was profane, the outer courts were made into public brothels, the inner sanctuary was turned over to the worship of the Greek god Zeus, and swine were sacrificed on the altar, an egregious violation of Jewish purity code. But a great hero, a champion, A savior, a Jewish rebel leader, Judas Maccabees by name, arose and pushed back against the Syrian occupation and freed the city. The temple was cleansed and purified. True worship was reinstituted, but they could only find one bottle of holy oil for the menorah. It should have only lasted for one day, but miraculously it lasted for eight And from that time on, the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, was instituted. Location is key. Here is Jesus in the midst of the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, in the very temple that was rededicated for worship. And once again, the Jewish people are under occupation. The holy city is profaned by pagan idolatrous imagery. The yearning for another like Judas Maccabees to arise and push back against foreign rule would have been at a feverish pitch. So, verse 24, so in light of this location, in light of this time and this place, the Jewish leaders gather around Jesus and ask the question this location invites. So don't keep us in suspense anymore, Jesus. Are you Messiah? What are they asking him? They're asking him, are you a Messiah after the pattern of Judas Maccabees, able to mount a political, armed, revolutionary movement against our Roman oppressors? Now the question is clear, but their motivation is unclear. Are they hoping to take up arms with him against the Roman occupiers? Or are they wanting to report him to the Roman authorities? Do you remember Judas Maccabees? Who humbled the Seleucid Empire? You've got another one of those on your hands in Jesus of Nazareth. Better do something about him before it becomes something. What are they doing? Regardless of motivation... They're trying to locate Jesus based on their own terms of reference. That's a danger of every single one of us. Locating Jesus based on our own terms of reference. Often envisioning Jesus as the projection of our best selves. Jesus putting the God stamp on all of our decisions. Cheering us on in our causes. Taking our side in the issues that divide. But a Jesus of our own making is a Jesus who cannot love us, cannot forgive us, cannot change us. Because we've not given him the space to tell us things we don't want to hear and as a result we can't hear from him the things that are too marvelous to be true. Jesus' response to their efforts to locate him undercuts their terms of reference. I have nothing to do with your nationalistic sense of kingdom. I will not be cast after the pattern of Judas Maccabees, taking up a kingdom by power and violence where the Jew is in and everybody else is out. You want to know what kind of Messiah I am? What kind of kingdom concerns me? Look at my works. For us, look at the last nine chapters of John. What kind of kingdom concerns him? The blind see, the lame walk, the spiritually thirsty or satisfied, the hungry or fed, the one who is seen as morally, spiritually, racially, sexually, and pure is given grace-filled welcome. You want to know what kind of Messiah I am? What kind of kingdom concerns me? Look at my works. These are the works that my Father has given me to do, for I and the Father are one. Rejecting their desire to locate him by their terms of reference, he tells them things that they don't want to hear, but also things that are too marvelous to be true. And their response, verse 31, was to pick up stones with murderous intent. Which of, your wor- which of my works brought this on, asks Jesus. No, no, not your works. It's your claim to be God. Let us be done with the fallacy that Jesus never claimed to be God. It's exactly what he's doing here. But don't you know your own scriptures, Jesus said? He quotes from Psalm 82, our first reading, where the judges of Israel who've been chosen to bring about God's justice and righteousness, caring for the poor and the destitute, rescuing the weak and the needy by virtue of their calling, their commitment to God's justice and righteousness, are given the representative authority of God and are called God's. So how much more so, says Jesus, can I, who by my works bring about the justice and righteousness of God, call myself a son of God? Now such a reference to Psalm 82 is not only a claim to divinity, it is a call of judgment down upon their leadership. And it's not surprising then that now they press in for his arrest and execution. But Jesus, verse 39, escapes their grasp. And where does he go? Well, again, location is what John wants us to see. For out of all the remote places Jesus could have gone to hide, out of all the safe harbors he could have chosen, he chooses one A very specific one. He goes across the Jordan to where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. There he rested. There Jesus located himself. But why there? Why, when they sought to cast him after the pattern of Judas Maccabees, does he go there? Why in the face of the rejection of his own people does he go there? Why in the face of their fury does he go there? Why does Jesus locate himself there? Well, that's where he himself was baptized. That's where he came up out of the waters of baptism to hear the voice of the Father. That is where he heard the words spoken over him, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Yes, a word of deep love and affirmation, but also a prophetic word. It contained two prophetic voices from the Old Testament. The first from Psalm 2 where it speaks of a Davidic king who would flood the earth with justice and righteousness. The second from Isaiah's servant song where that kingdom would come about through the suffering servant, the one who would bear our diseases, carry our sorrows, bruised for our iniquities, crushed for our transgressions, but by his wounds we are healed. And it is there that Jesus locates himself. It is there that Jesus remains In the face of rejection, he reorients to the Father's love. In the face of trying to be cast after the pattern of Judas Maccabees, Jesus reorients himself to a kingdom that he will claim by self-sacrificing love upon a cross. That is where Jesus locates himself. Where do you locate yourself? Jesus beckons us to a similar place. Whatever life throws at us, whatever others say of us, whatever seeks to define us, give us value and worth, we're being invited here to locate ourselves in what God says of us in Jesus. My first job out of seminary was as a youth pastor. And one of the things that I was committed to was mentoring the youth themselves so that they could take the active role in leading and and forming one another. One week I asked one of the youth, and we'll call her Sarah, to give a five to ten minute talk, which was the staple of our Sunday morning programming. Sarah began by telling us a little bit about herself. I'm overweight, she said. I get teased incessantly about it, so much so that I avoid being around people. I stay at home. I don't leave the house. It's become so unbearable that I've even considered ending my own life. She paused. It's like 40 teenagers in the room. This may not have been their story, but they certainly resonated with it. They waited with bated breath for what she might say next. Sarah continued, but I've come to see that because of Jesus, I'm God's daughter. Beautiful, loved, precious in his sight. And now the voice of my father has become louder than the teasing. And she went on to speak of the transformative trajectory that set for her life, her identity, her relationships, her hope for the future, all because she located herself and what God said of her in Jesus. Jesus beckons us to a similar place. Whatever life throws at us, whatever others think of us, whatever seeks to define us and give us value and worth, we're being invited here to locate ourselves in what God says of us in Jesus. Where do you locate yourself? When the past rises up to accuse and condemn, in Jesus, you're forgiven and loved. When the inner dialogue of self-loathing drones on, the words hurt that continue to hurt, the historical words that pierce still, in Jesus, you're a beloved child of the Father when despair grips and hope gives way and darkness chokes out light, in Christ there is a glorious future, the promise of new creation, of which you are an heir. Where do you locate yourself? Who you are in Christ is a solid foundation, setting a transformative trajectory for life. But this text also invites us to ask the question, where do we as church locate ourselves? About 15 years ago, I went with a friend to Israel. We had the gospel of Mark in one hand and a guidebook in the other. And we went across the Holy Land going from location to location in the gospel. And very often at those locations, a church had been built often constructed around the physical remnants of that location. A church built around the home of Mary. A church built on top of the home of Peter's mother-in-law who'd been healed. A church built around the rock in Gethsemane where Jesus had prayed. Over the centuries, Christians had chosen to have their worship located in those places. That, that location would shape their identity, their purpose, their practice. Now this is something that's not just unique to Christianity. Many different faiths have chosen to locate their worship. It seems to be something that comes naturally to our humanity. And so it begs the question, where did the early church choose to locate its worship? What location shaped its belief, its practice, its identity, its purpose. According to the book of Acts, it's here. The early church began to meet in the colonnade of Solomon where this incident in Jesus' life occurred, where this pronouncement of who he was, who we were, and what his purpose was, was given full expression. This was where the early church chose to locate itself. This was the location that shaped its purpose, its identity, its practice. And so the early church beckons us to locate ourselves there as well. That we, verse 27, would be attentive to his voice, would hear his word above every other word, That we, verse 27, would revel in the reality that we are known by Jesus right the way to the bottom. And instead of the rejection we fear, we are the treasure that he holds dear. For nothing and no one, verse 28, can ever snatch us from his hand. That we, verse 27, would follow him, would do the works that he did would live in anticipation of his kingdom come in its fullness, where the blind see and the lame walk and the hungry are fed and the spiritually thirsty satisfied and the marginalized given grace-filled welcome. That we, verse 28, would joyfully receive his gifts of grace, the gift of eternal life, the life of the new creation, the life that death, Can't extinguish. That is where the early church located itself. And so it begs the question do we at Little Trinity locate ourselves there as well? Is that increasingly becoming our foundation? Where do you locate yourself? Jesus beckons us to locate ourselves in what God says of us in him. A solid foundation, setting a transformative trajectory. And where do we, Jesus' church, locate ourselves? Well, the early church beckons us to locate ourselves here in this incident in Jesus' life where Jesus is revealed as fully God and fully man, that doesn't pick up a kingdom by power and violence, but by a self-sacrificing death upon a cross, who by his resurrection ushers in a new creation and invites us in the power of his spirit to live in anticipation of that kingdom in all we do and say and pray. Where do you, Where do we locate ourselves? May it be in Jesus alone. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.